Israel's prophets maintained hope that God would one day create his heavenly city here on earth with streams going out and the nation streaming in, gardens and feasts and peace and no more death. In Jesus' day, Jerusalem was ruled by a violent King Herod. And when Jesus began announcing that God's heavenly kingdom was arriving here on earth, he didn't even go to Jerusalem or its leaders. Jesus took his followers up onto a hill and said, You all are the city on the hill that will shine its light to the nations. And then he taught his followers the ethic of God's city, the heavenly Jerusalem, full of abundance for all the nations, with the river of life flowing through its streets. The EFCA, or Evangelical Free Church of America, is a family of self-governing churches united around the same core beliefs. Together, our mission is to glorify God by multiplying transformational churches among all people. Today, there are more than 1,600 EFCA congregations across the United States, and they come in all shapes, sizes, and locations, from small towns and suburban neighborhoods to major metropolitan areas. Our churches are supported by 17 regional districts that provide resources, expertise, and networking for local pastors and leadership. Those districts are then supported and resourced by the EFCA National Office in Minneapolis. Together, we strive to follow Jesus' commands to love others and make disciples of all people, both here in the U.S. and around the world. Globally, the EFCA recruits, trains, and supports more than 600 missionaries in more than 50 different countries across five different continents. Like beautiful Tanzania. And here in Germany. And here in Japan. In partnership with U.S. churches and locally led ministries, we do things like help meet physical, educational, and spiritual needs of children through child sponsorship, respond to global crises with physical aid and spiritual hope, and send groups and individual young people around the world to learn leadership skills while making disciples. On a national level, we support and equip pastors and leaders within their local contexts, provide training and host events for student ministry leaders and youth groups, and lead nationwide ministries to promote ethnic and cultural diversity and share Christ's heart with the marginalized and oppressed. All of these different avenues lead back to one main goal, church multiplication. Whether it's global missions, crisis response, or student ministry, at the EFCA, everything we do aligns with our mission to glorify God by multiplying transformational churches among all people. Hey, EFCA family, I want to personally invite you to our upcoming District Leadership Conference, February 23rd and 24th at Grace Church in Allen, Texas, just north of Dallas. This year, our featured speaker is Dr. Timothy Robinson, Professor of Pastoral Ministries at Dallas Seminary. Dr. Robinson is not only a seminary professor, he's also an experienced pastor, a gifted preacher, and he hails from Belfast, Northern Ireland, so you will absolutely love his Irish brogue. (laughs) In our main sessions, Dr. Robinson will be challenging us in the area of prayer. 
encouraging us as leaders to be personally soaked in prayer, and encouraging our churches to plead for a mighty movement of God in our day. Such an important and timely challenge. In our first main session on Friday, I'll be sharing some details regarding our vision for the district going forward. And then in the evening, we'll enjoy a delicious catered dinner. And this year, our Hispanic brothers and sisters will be leading us in a wonderful time of bilingual worship. So we'll get just a little taste of what heaven will be like when people of every tribe, tongue, and nation will be gathered around the throne of God. On Saturday morning, we'll have a closing time of worship and a number of workshops covering a wide variety of practical topics. This district leadership conference is sort of our annual family reunion, can come together for a time of mutual encouragement and equipping. I'm so grateful for your faithful ministry. I'm so grateful for the privilege of serving you. So I get to tell you a little bit about that conference, because Randy and I went and uh, got to spend Friday and Saturday down there, and uh, so we took we stopped in Wagner, and we picked up Joe Cheerhart from the um, Tahlequah Church, Hillside, and took him down there with us, and uh, <clears throat> so got down there Friday afternoon, or sorry, Friday morning, and um, so you saw the video of what it was, you know, kind of the schedule. And um, so we started out with um, the uh, Brent Burkhart. He's the district superintendent, and he, he had a session on the vision for the district and um, kind of their church multiplication vision of kind of what they want to do to help get some spread the churches and and uh, multiplying healthy churches around the district, and that was <clears throat> really interesting and uh, strategic. And Randy and I talked a lot about that on the way back, and some things what we thought about that, some things that were good, some things we thought were missing. And uh, but um, overall, it was good to see that they do have a vision, and and they're um, like to see. Um, some other things there, but um, then we had lots of snacks. There's lots of snacks involved here, so you'd be glad to know that. Just like Grace Bible Church, the rest of the USCA really likes to eat, so that's good. And then we had <clears throat> a session from Tim Robinson. You saw they talked about him. He's a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary, and um, he brought two really good messages on uh, prayer, and one was on uh, for the pastors and leaders there about um, the time they s- they spend and they're supposed to be, um, you know, spreading out themselves and um, giving themselves to people in ministry, but they're not soaking themselves in prayer and in Christ. And so it's like a sponge that has nothing to wring out. 
And so he had a really great illustration there. And um, then he, we had more snacks. And then we had a district business meeting. And uh, I was pretty impressed with how that ran. And it was not at all um, like you might expect a business meeting to go. It was much more like ours, just kind of straightforward to the point. Here's how things went. Here's how we expect them to go. And it's a great display of unity. And um, then uh, we had that dinner. And we were in Texas, so it was chicken fried steak. And it was pretty good. And then we had another... Uh, message from Tim Robinson again, you know, looking at um, prayer in the book in Acts in the early church. And then uh, we went back to the hotel room, and Joe and Randy and I spent several hours talking about what we heard that day and talking about church things. And then back the next morning, we had breakout sessions. Uh, so these were small groups so with different topics. And we had two different uh, sessions you could go to with their breakfast in between. And um, so I went to to one on uh, missional living. So this was kind of focused on like, um, what's it like, you know, for uh, churches that are really trying to um, be involved in their community and some different methods to, to do that. And they're also looking at Acts. The guy who was leading that was looking at Acts 2 and taking some things out of that. And I went to one um, that was more theology and culture focused, and it was called... This sounds really exciting, uh, but the title of it was called Where We Stand in the EFCA Denials and Affirmations. Doesn't that just sound exciting? But this was the one I really enjoyed going to, um, and um, it was the EFCA has gotten a lot of questions um, about where they stand on various cultural hot topics, and so they put out this statement last year on responding to that, and it was basically... We're not this, um, but we are this. And I really appreciated how they approached it and actually defined what they're not and what they are. And you can go on the website and read this statement and um, then uh, kind of summarized it. And so um, that session was led by Greg Strand, who is kind of the guy for the ESA National District, who is in charge of all this theology, is in charge of the credentialing for pastors and people in the in the whole national national thing and um so he he went through all that and it was really good and um randy and joe both went to different sessions and uh, i don't know if randy's going to talk about that or if you want to say anything real quick about that no okay but um there were sessions on you know like emotional intelligence i think that's one of the ones randy went to and vision and all kinds of things that pastors might want to go to and, and uh, other leaders in the church. So that and then um, another uh, message, closing message from uh, the district superintendent, Brent. And um, so it was really good. And it was a great time to meet with just other leaders. Uh, Philip from the church in Tulsa was there, um, and he brought his uh, pastoral intern with him. So we got to meet them and sit at the table and talk with them. And uh, just really, was, I just really came away encouraged. And, um, you know, seeing the district leadership was interesting, but really for me, meeting the other, meeting the pastors from around the district in Texas and Oklahoma and seeing their heart for ministry, for their people, 
and try to follow Jesus uh, in their town and where they are and minister to people and help people um, come to know Jesus better and um, spread the kingdom was really encouraging to me and just to see the different ways that people are doing that and um, the just the the way that the unity there that was on display I think was awesome and so it was encouraging so um, next year is actually going to be in Waco so um, you know looking forward to that and Charlene might want to go if I go Cassie may want to go I don't know (laughs) but um, so well worth the trip going and uh, encouraging to be a part of an organization that's really seeking to to honor God and even if there are some ways that we can encourage them um, to maybe seek the spirit more um, as they do that so great great time other uh, announcements Sharon wanted to let everybody know that or not Sharon sorry Trish wanted to let everybody know that Sharon's funeral is um, Friday at 11 o'clock at a Rice Funeral Home so if you would like to go to support Trish that'll be Friday at 11 o'clock Rice is uh, there in Claremore on the east side, um, right by our house, so right on Highway 20. All right, let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I I thank you for the way that you work in um, our individual lives and in our churches. you don't work the same way in each of us and in each of our communities. You're doing something um, in each of us to bring us closer to you. And in our community, you have different things that you're doing, but the same goal exists, and that is to bring people to your family. And um, I just appreciate what we saw um, in Allen, Texas, which was the variety of uh, cultures and people who come from a variety of backgrounds that were all wanting to worship you. And uh, Father, I just I want to pray for our, each of those churches, each of those pastors and elders and various leaders that were there. This, I want to pray for them this morning that they would grow deep, deeper in their knowledge and love of you, Lord, that they would grow more dependent on your spirit to lead them and um, to not do things under their own wisdom and power and knowledge, but just to grow more and more in their reliance on you. And uh, Father, I pray that for Grace Bible Church. I pray that for each person in this room. Um, Each person in this room is a leader here at Grace Bible Church and someone that we need to be involved in doing the ministry here. And I just pray that you would help us each to discover our gift that you've given each of us um, that's for ministry here at Grace Bible. And uh, Father, I pray for the service this morning. I thank you that you're here with us. I thank you for the spiritual family that's here in this room with us that's observing and watching and worshiping with us. I pray that you would help us to to know that we're a part of something greater and bigger than what we see and observe in this room. And uh, I just thank you for all that you do. Thank you for your son, Jesus. 
and for all that he's done to uh, bring us into your family, to defeat the evil powers, to help us to live the life that you want us to live. I pray these things in his name. Amen. Oh, 
this is one of those that people would prefer not to hear. This is a, uh, a conversation that Jesus has that flips life and death, and it just is uh, remarkable. So there's a couple of guys come from, they're Greeks, so they've come from far away. And to make this trip to Jerusalem, they're coming to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration. So we are spending most of our time in these memos from the Messiah on his conversations, his teaching in that period of time when he comes to Jerusalem shortly, days before uh, his crucifixion, but this is Passover celebration time. People come in from all over. That place, we're told, could be like filled up with like a million people. I mean, it's huge. And you think ancient world, and you know they didn't have eight billion on the planet back then, and so that's that's just a huge number of people gathered in this city. And they have spent weeks traveling, lots of money. This is an expensive trip. And they come all the way over to Jerusalem for Passover. They're going to celebrate the, what God has done in delivering them from Egypt, what he has done to establish the nation. He's brought them through the Red Sea. He's met them at Mount Sinai. He's given them the law. They're coming together to, to celebrate his deliverance so that they could live this life. And these guys have made a big trip to come. And we are... I'm going to look at that in uh, John 12, 22, verse 36. And this is, he's just talking about life. But let me read through the whole passage. I just wanted you to think, these guys have come. So I want you, you know, just picture that. They've, They've made this huge trip to come. And then they ask, when they get there, uh, they they run into Philip and they say, "Can you get us to Jesus? We want to we want to talk to that guy." So here's <laughs> this huge trip. Here's this rabbi who somehow the word got out and these guys want to talk to him. So they go to Philip because they're probably intimidated to go straight up to Jesus at that point. And uh, and this is his response. So I just. Just think you, you made this huge trip. You're going to go talk to this guy, and, and you're waiting for something cute or, you know, talk to me about how to improve my business, make more money, uh, better relationship with my wife, you know, those, those kind of things. You know, something worthwhile. I'm being facetious. He is going to give them what they need. But listen to these words. Some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. They said, Sir, we want to meet Jesus. Philip told Andrew about, about it, and they went together to ask Jesus. Jesus replied, Here we go. Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth, unless... A kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies. It remains alone, but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me. 
because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour, but this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. Then a voice spoke from heaven saying, I've already brought glory to my name and I will do so again. When the crowd heard the voice, some thought it was thunder, while others declared an angel had spoken to him. Then Jesus told them the voice was for your benefit, not mine. The time for judging this world has come. When Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out, and when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. He, did, he said this to indicate how he was going to die. The crowd responded, We understood from Scripture that the Messiah would live forever. How can you say the Son of Man will die? Just who is this Son of Man anyway? Jesus replied, My light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can, so the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in the darkness cannot see where they're going. Put your trust in the light while there is still time. Then you will become children of the light. After saying these things, Jesus went away and was hidden from them. And they probably thought, man, I'm not sure um, spending all that money on this trip was worth it. Well, what just happened? <laughs> and then he goes away. He's not even there to answer questions. He's just, wow. Okay, so we're going to go through this. Uh, glory is beyond. Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. We got a little bit of something going on here. You go like glory. Um, he knows what's coming, and you do too because you read the story. So what is coming is not glory; it's gory, it's sadness, it's horror, it is unbelievable pain, physical, emotional, relational. He's abandoned. His nation turns on him. I mean this. That's what's coming. But that's not what he says. He says it's glory. It's really upside down. It's really backwards. And every time we enter into a conversation with him, we run into that. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He's not doing it our way. He doesn't fit our agenda what he thinks is glory, we think is a horrible, horrible injustice. He's not seeing it that way. He's approaching this with a whole different attitude because he knows what is about to happen. Because this is the battle for the ages. This determines the outcome of eternity. He's about to enter into his glory. And he is not hesitant he is not hesitant to say so. Fruitfulness of dying gives him a little bit of a picture. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. 
but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Okay. So the way to multiply more people in this church thing or in the kingdom thing or in heaven thing is to die. Wouldn't it be better to stay alive, keep teaching, healing, casting out demons? Wouldn't that be the better choice here? And if we were in charge of it, yep. We'd do everything we could to make sure that that's how that happened. And if we were in charge of uh, our own lives in some way, and we had the opportunity to... uh, well, let's see. Let's multiply people. Let's multiply followers of Christ. Let's multiply churches. How do we do that? Well, we have to be here, and we have to train a lot, and we need to get people's attention. So we need to, to do as many social, uh, interesting, invitational things as we can so that we can add to this, and many souls would be added because that's how we do church. And Jesus lays out this thing that says, let's just read that again. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone, but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Wow. See how poorly this preaches? God, man, I don't feel encouraged at all. It's death that brings life. It is so backwards. Now, he's going to his death, a physical death, shortly. He knows it. He knows what's coming. He knows what he's doing. But the message is not about that. I mean, it includes that. But his message to... The crowd, the people who have come, including these Greeks who have traveled uh, weeks to get here, the message to them is, don't hold on to this world so much. You think it's all about you. You think it's all about your comfort, what you like in your dream. Not so much. Die to yourself. Die to your thing. Die to that stuff that's holding on to you. The, the stuff from this world, and some of it may be just twisted thinking or twisted ideas of how life ought to go or anger over something that didn't happen the way you wanted in the past, whatever it is, dead. Let it go. Discover new life in a new way. Do you know what baptism is? You've heard of it, right? There's this whole water thing. And we're given in Romans chapter 6 an illustration that that water, that baptism, is illustrating life. The person goes in, before they know Christ, they go into the waters. It's demonstrating the death, burial, and resurrection. And you come back to life, a new life. But you have to die. Baptism is about dying to self. It's about recon- uh, not re- but connecting 
with God being Matthew 28, 19 to 20, when it's giving us a baptismal formula there. It says, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, because it's entering into a new life in the Trinity, with the Trinity. It's entering into life with God in fullness. It's entering into this whole new experience. But to get to the new life, you have to die to the old life. So dying brings about life in ourselves, and its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. It affects others. It affects people in the family, people in the community, people at work, people at church, new lives. Wow. What if my life isn't producing new lives? Maybe we haven't died. Maybe we haven't died to something. Maybe there's something we're just holding on to. We're angry. We're, un- we're not forgiving. We're just holding on to some old stuff. And Jesus is saying, this is how you do it. And he's just about to model it. Just letting you know. You want to see new lives. This is how you get there. For you and for others. Love of life misdirected misses eternity. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. I don't know. If you're just going with um, quantity, one wins over the other. Are you trying to figure, are you good at math? Because one of those definitely wins. It also wins in quality. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. And it's dying to that old self. It's dying to the old ways. It's going, dying to the ways of thinking, to the value system, to those... Uh, even the regrets and the things we hold on to, but it can be lust, it can be lies, it can be all of the things that we've held on to that have driven us in this world for good or ill, but we're holding on to that. And he's saying, I've got something new for you. It's my way. Follow me. Come with me. Die to that. Die to that stuff. And then have this new life that will last into eternity, never-ending response to that, the voice of God the Father, uh, Jesus says, Father, bring glory to your name. Then a voice spoke from heaven saying, I have already brought glory to my name, and I will do so again. When the crowd heard the voice, some thought it was thunder, while others declared an angel had spoken to him. That crowd knew something unusual it just happened they they didn't think that somebody had a loudspeaker they knew something supernatural had just occurred they attributed it to possibly an angel a messenger from god but also they knew it was otherworldly they knew it was something was going on and some thought it was thunder that gives you an idea of the of the character of the voice when he spoke but they heard they heard something was going on right here and it's God the Father. I've, I've already brought glory to my name. 
How in the world could he have done that? All the stuff Jesus already done. He got baptized, remember? He says, you're my boy, and I'm proud of you. That's, he launches into the ministry along the way. The Mount of Transfiguration, he says it again. No, I am pleased with you. And you other guys, you just need to listen to him. So let's, let's keep this going. And here he is again. And he says, no, I've already gotten glory. There's more. There's more to come. Because he's not done with that yet. And God the Father knows what's coming. He knows the cross is waiting. He knows what's around the corner. He knows the pain his son is going to go through. He is, And he knows the result of all of this. What is going to be uh, corrected? What's going to be unleashed? What is going to happen as a result of this? It, it, it just changes everything. But God speaks. God speaks in that moment. And God speaks, and there's a crowd, and they hear it. This is a quite a moment. Cosmic essentials presented. Cosmic essentials presented. Then, then Jesus told them, the voice was for your benefit, not mine. The time for judging this world has come. When... Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. What? Yep. When he's lifted up from the earth, he's going to draw people from all nations, all languages. He's going to draw people to himself. He's going to be lifted up on that cross, and he knows it's coming just a few days away. He says that is going to draw people. But if you remember what happened when you read the account in the Gospels, his friends abandoned him. They ran away. Peter denies him. He's hauled from the courts or from court to court, being beaten in the community that was... uh, declaring him to be the son of David, the coming king, uh, a few days earlier have now departed. They didn't know this is all happening super early in the morning and through the night. But he has no friends there. This, this is a dark time. And he says he's going to be on the cross and he's going to draw people to himself and the people who were there Many of them were mockers. Some of them were just soldiers doing their job. But then they're eventually, while he's hanging on that cross, some of his followers, his mom, uh, John, they begin to show up. But has he drawn all people to himself? Not in that moment. This is prophetic. This is talking about reaching people around the world. And over time, we're 2,000 years into this, he's still drawing people to himself because he was lifted up. He was lifted up on the cross, and then he's ascended to the right hand of the Father on high. Yeah, he's going to be lifted up. There's more coming with all that. But he gives us a picture because he's saying, okay, this is the time, time for dealing with this world. There's some issues here. There's a created world that we are familiar with with all the physical laws 
that we deal with and, and um, whatever our history and our culture and our languages and, and, and that, that part of the world is, is what we exist in. Forgetting the one that exists right beside us in another dimension. And it's a dark one and it has one who is turned against God, who would, many who have turned against God and would like to destroy humanity and working against what God is trying to do because God loved, so loved the world, he gave his only son. For them, that is horrible language. That is, that is so repulsive to them because they want to take down what God is doing. He loves you and he loves his people and he wants his people to be in his family and be close to him and he is doing what he can to make this thing happen and he has to do some serious really serious things to bring this about including sending his son to the cross to make this thing possible to overcome the authority and the powers of these beings created too they're not god they're not on equal par they are created beings but he because of the the rules cosmic rules that are out there are allowed to have run of things and because humanity gave the keys away then they've been able to to run amok for a while and jesus is going that's it i'm coming they don't realize in the midst of this that his going to the cross is really important for him to win. They think they will destroy him by putting him on the cross and stop this whole thing. That's their hope. They want to stop it because they want to destroy humanity. They want to take away God's glory. They want the glory for themselves. It's... That's what's on, and that's what's going on in the background. God, the Father, has just spoken from heaven. There's a crowd of people. Those people are on earth, normal people. They, they just had some bagels, lentils, whatever they just had. They, they're just regular people hanging out. And God, the Father, is speaking from heaven into that place to his Son, who is God in human flesh, who's about to suffer this horrendous death, but is speaking truth to the people around him so that they can know how to live for all eternity. And the battle is on. And here's Satan, just one of many characters who are playing this evil role of trying to tear down everything that God is trying to build up. But God has spoken. I just want you to see the spiritual nature of this. It's not just... The reason I say that is if you read through the Gospels and you come away going, this is a human story. Wasn't that a great sacrifice? Uh, that was nice of Jesus to uh, go through that, but really I don't get it. How is it possible that this guy could die for you know, a just thing. It's just nice that there was whatever is in his mind that he's he's doing it for other people. He's willing to sacrifice him, himself uh, on behalf of others. And that's how that's read. So if you watch some of the movies about Jesus, especially ones that have blue-eyed Jesus, they tend to go that direction. It's very human humanized. And 
You don't run into a whole lot of uh, God the Father speaking to him during, in a crowd. You don't hear anything about Satan. The Passion of the Christ does have Satan figure pop up periodically, but others, usually not. It's a very human story. I just want you to know that's not the case at all. This is a cosmic story. It turns everything upside down. He is going to be lifted up and bring all people to himself. Because there is no one else who can do this. No one else worthy of doing this. And he knows what he's about to do and, and bring glory to the Father through it. He's going to take this thing and cram a bunch of stuff down Satan's throat as well as the other rebels. This is a spiritual battle that is unfolding here. Limited perspective. The crowd responded, We understood from Scripture, from Scripture, that the Messiah would live forever. How can you say, you, whoever you are, how can you say the Son of Man will die? And then just, who is the Son of Man anyway? Yeah, let's just, let's just figure that one out. They are thinking of the Son of Man. It, you'll find it in Ezekiel and Daniel. They're primarily thinking of Daniel. And the Son of Man seen there is... God's on, God the Father's on the throne, and there's a scene where the Son of Man comes in, and he is at his right hand. He rides in on the clouds. He is, and, and then that quote that he will use is, you will see the Son of Man riding on the clouds. That gives them, an, that's the power, that's the glory, that's, that's the heavenly image, the Son of Man, when he's talking about that. I, I, and maybe in your evangelical Christian background, you've heard... Uh, when the Gospels are using Son of God, that's referring to his God side. And when it's dealing with the Son of Man, uses those titles, and it's dealing with his human side. Nah. So if you've heard that, just, or if you've never heard it before, that's fine. Just leave it out. But if you have heard that and you're thinking, okay, that's where this is going, just erase it. You know, just back up that tape, take, take it off there. That's not it. He is the Son of God, and He is the Son of Man. The Son of Man is a heavenly being as well who will come in power. But He is also the Son of God, the beloved, the begotten Son of God. And He is the God-man who will one day come riding in on that white horse and take over. Right now, we're dealing with some other things, but He's talking about the Son of Man and and they can't get it because all they can think of is, wait, he's just coming from heaven to take over and he's going to run this thing and Israel's going to look good and, and we're going to all be comfortable and drink a lot of wine and it's going to be great. That's what we're waiting for. And he's going, ah. So then, so who is this son of man? So is there somebody else? And how we, you know, t- The scriptures say he's going to be this guy who will live forever because he's coming from heaven to take over. Well, there's this, in the theological terms, the things that have happened, things that are already, and then there's things not yet. So in a lot of scripture, you get twofers. The things that are happening now are things that are going to happen soon, and then the things that are ultimate yet to come. 
they didn't get that memo. So that's the crowd. We understood from, from Scripture that the Messiah would live forever. And, and they can't wrap their heads around there. And, and they don't want to. Let's back up just a sec. Who just spoke from heaven to this guy on the ground? Saying, yeah, this is, yeah, let's go do some glory. But I've already gotten glory because of what you've done. And the crowd's going, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I'm not buying this die thing. And, you know, scripture from our, our little pea brains is, we're thinking, maybe you're not it. And, and God from heaven just spoke. Y'all just said he spoke. You sound, sound like thunder. But we're questioning whether or not you know what you're talking about, dude. See the problem? Who is the son of man anyway? Yeah, you guys. Uh, Jesus goes on. Walk in the light. Jesus replied, my light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can, so the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in the darkness cannot see where they are going. Who are the people walking in the darkness? The ones listening to Satan, the ones going his way, the ones who are, well, let's see, in this particular case, the religious leaders in Jerusalem. Because they're about to do some things that they ought not do to the Son of God slash Son of Man. (laughs) And they will do it anyway. And he's saying, I'm, I'm here. I'm going to give you some light. You know, a few more. I got some more teaching. I'll, I'll share some more things with you. That doesn't mean that as, you know, as we know, his light gets brighter. Because as he just said, you die and then many more will come. Wow. He's just about to do that. Those who walk in the darkness cannot see where they are going. So people in the darkness are the ones who listen, don't listen to Jesus, but they do listen to the enemy, to the rebels, to those who, who paint the picture of what this world is like and what's important and what the influences should be. They write the books, they write the movies, uh, they sing the songs, they are the people at the water fountain at work. They are all around and they are walking in darkness. And they will share things with you and have shared things with you. And you go, yeah, that must be right. They don't know where they're going. They don't know where they're going. They're influenced by the dark, by the dark beings. And they're influenced by in walking in darkness. And you go, well, yeah, that philosophy must be right. Or, or that guy, yeah, that you know what? That kind of job, that dream, that kind of, that's how I should treat people. That, or that story, boy, that just, that just grabbed me. That song was just, that was just it. Darkness. Darkness from the pit. And you go, nah, that, you know, that just, that just moves me. It just moves me. Why in the world Christian brothers and sisters, would we go, that just moves me. I think I'll just go with that. That feeling, that attitude, that way of living. Why? Because somehow we've allowed darkness into us and we're identifying with it. And Jesus is saying, walk in the light. Walk in the light. Find out where you're going. 
What is part of walking in the light? Dying. Dying to self, dying to those dreams that weren't given by him in the first place. Dying so that you can live now and forever. Dying so that not only you, but many others can live forever as well. It's a pretty good memo. Trust in the light. Put your trust in the light while there's still time. Then you will become children of the light. Then you will become children of the light. Yes. After saying these things, Jesus went away and was hidden from them. No question and answer period. <laughs> he just... That's it. That's the story. Y'all need to die. You know, that just that's just not that positive message people are looking for. They they want to be built up and encouraged. <laughs> don't don't tell me I need to die. Wait. Yep. That's how you get Satan off your back. Satan's always gonna look for, hey, what's in it for me? Satan and his minions are pushing you to go do the same thing. Hey, what's in it for me? How can I uh, be applauded? How can I be the center of attention? How can I make more money? How can I be better than somebody else? How can And he's going, die. Jesus said, the one who says, walk in the light, says, die. Die to that. Die to self. Die to all that stuff that's driving you, and it's driving you nuts. Die. Walk in the light and know where you're going, that there's more to this. It's bigger than you think. And you are really playing a bigger part than you can imagine. Which we can't cover right now because the clock. Our Lord's memos. Our Lord's memos. In this, he has covered cosmology. What's this world... Uh, this universe, this beyond that, the realms that exist around us that we live in. He's brought all of that to bear right here. Life and death, eternity, God the Father, heavenly beings, the dark side, the dark beings, the rebellious ones. He's brought it all into this. Wow. Place of dying where we go... uh, the dying isn't the end all. It, it ends certain things, and those things need to be put to death. There are things in us that need to be put to death and, and ended. He is saying that by flipping this thing upside down, that, that death is the way to life, and that we can live life fully, and we can live eternity and we're living for eternity. He goes to the cross. He dies shortly. He's going to model these things. He goes, he's buried. And you go, man, that's the end of that. Yep. The dark beings, the kingdoms, the authorities and powers of darkness thought, yeah, that's the end of that. And then he came back. He came back. And he says to us, die to live. I got more for you. More. 
that will change not only your life, but those around you. And there will be a plentiful harvest of new lives. Uh, living, living this new life in the light, walking with him, listening to him, learning new things, being transformed in our thinking and our behavior and the words we speak and the priorities we have, all of that, living that. Trust him that he's speaking the truth. God the Father is speaking to a whole crowd saying, yeah, this is my boy. I've already been glorified by what he's doing and he's going to do some more. He's not done yet. Wow. Trust him. These people didn't even get that. You know, our thinking of Scripture, this is how it goes. They just heard from God the Father speaking to the Son on the ground, and they come up with, well, let's, you know, in our thinking, back when I was in third grade Sunday school, I think we colored a page that looked that said, you know, and so, you know, obviously that's, that's reality. You go, reality is God the Father just spoke, Son of God standing in front of you. What is wrong with this picture? You're missing it. Walk in the light. Listen to him. Trust him. Go his way. He's going to take out Satan and all the others. And he wants us to live in the fullness of life. Now and for all eternity. That's because he loves us. So discover more. Discover more. We have more memos coming. We're not done yet. He had a lot to say, and I'm glad they wrote it down. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the Son. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you that you've not hidden all these things from us. You've let us know the battle is on. We just read past it sometimes. We want to walk in the light, Lord. And it may be time to die to self. And so we need to let go of some things. Those things just need to die. And then we can walk in newness of life. I pray, Lord, that we would listen to you. I pray that you would point those things out. And, Lord, I look forward to how we can see a harvest of lives as a result of what you do in ours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of His Spirit.
Understanding or plan can stand against the Lord. The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. Amen. <laughs> 